Yeah, well, yeah. welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. <laughs> I tried to watch uh, a video you did, but I think it was it was over my head. It was uh, it was the one on YouTube on metabolic considerations and mood disorders. Oh yeah, that was that was for a, a medical conference. Yeah, that definitely was not for someone like me. <laughs> Medicine is really good at coming up with all kinds of. Uh, unnecessary complex words just to say something really simple so uh but uh you know that's the language of medicine but no we we will certainly we'll, we'll have a great chat dr roger mcintyre can can you uh, introduce yourself for everybody let let us know who you are please yeah, sure yeah happy to so you know i i'm a psychiatrist i trained as a psychiatrist uh um after i completed medical school and um i am a professor uh, which really means I work at a university and I work there full time. And, and I'm a, a doctor, I'm a psychiatrist. I see patients who suffer uh, from depression and bipolar disorder. Uh, the other part of my life and a big part of my life is I'm especially interested in developing new treatments uh, for people who have depression or the related condition, bipolar disorder. Uh, that's my professional titles. Um, who I am when I get up in the morning and I'm having a cup of coffee and who I am really, I'm an advocate I'm of people, a supporter of people who are affected by mental illness and their families. And I have been in, given an incredible life uh, by people in, um, who have mental illness to give me tremendous privilege. And, and I try to use that privilege and that um, opportunity to try and really make things better and try to change the game in psychiatry so people can have better treatments that work faster, uh, get their lives back, uh, and also reduce suicide. So it's, it's been, uh, frankly, it's been a surreal life. Uh, and uh, I guess it's called a career, but I just, for me, it just feels like a passion. If you love what you do, and it sounds like you do, then it isn't a job. It's not a career. Yeah. It's, 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 like you said, a passion and what's going to make you healthy physically and mentally. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the realities. I mean, look, this has been a terrible time. COVID-19 people are in a lot of stress right now. And secondly, is that, that a lot of people don't know where to get help and cannot get help. And, um, particularly as, men, we don't want to get help. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our, you know, guys don't like to talk about their feelings. And, you know, they think it's not as cool or not as, uh, I don't know, not as masculine maybe or something. That's exactly what it is. We perceive it as weakness. Yeah. And that's changing. I feel like it's changing lately. More men are becoming more open about these things. Even the younger generation talks a little more. But but it's still in certain circles and certain, it, it is very much viewed as weakness. I remember thinking to myself, don't be, don't, don't be soft, you know, get it together, get it together. So it's, it's hard for men to kind of, for me to come and tell you, Hey, you know, I used to want to hurt myself, you know, like there's a stigma, right? There's a yep. stigma to mental health overall. Yeah. You know, um, period at, at overall it exists. And then yep. there's obviously the, the, the tough guy thing for men. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, I think that for, that's all true. I agree with you. I think men have a, they want to be cool. They want to be tough. They want to be masculine. And maybe this is not, a lot of men don't think talking about their feelings is in keeping with that. I think the other part too, is I just think when it comes to just language and vocabulary, I don't think that men maybe have the, have the vocab, the words down even describe their feelings as well. Uh, 
And there's uh, some scientific literature to support that. And what, why it's concerning, well, it's concerning for, I mean, many reasons, but just one reason out of many. Over the last two decades or so in the United States, the suicide rate's been steadily going up. And um, America is kind of a, well, it's a unique country in so many great ways um, and so many incredible ways. One of the ways that's unique in not so great ways is that it's one of the few countries in the world where the suicide rate's going up the last 10, 20 years. And when you look at some of the details of the statistics, it's a lot of men. Now it's women too, but it's a lot of men, especially middle-aged men who've lost their jobs um, and then get involved in alcohol and, and opioids. Not everyone has, and this is not for everybody, and there's not a sort of a one-size-all-fits explanation to this, but this is kind of a common story. And um, I think a lot of men, especially middle-aged men and older men, are have a real difficult time talking about their their you know their their emotional state, their feeling state. So I agree with you. Well, it becomes if if you lose your job, you can't provide, and if yeah. you have children and you have a home and you have a family, um, you feel all those feelings of. Uh, inadequacy, being able, unable to fulfill your right. manly job and all that That's stuff. Right. I could see how that happens. Plus, you know, we're not really allowed to say, oh, this is a cute puppy and express ourselves. You have all these men who've been suppressing their, their emotions their whole life. Of course, they're going to snap. A lot of people, a lot of my friends uh, have expressed that they've been feeling depressed, that they've been feeling... Uh, you know, sad, they're tired and exhausted. Uh, a lot of people and, and, and some who are generally very uh, cheerful and very happy and, and stuff have been kind of getting weighed down. You know, a couple of days ago, I was, I did yoga with my wife. I was doing a, a stretching movement and uh -huh. I just burst into tears. I was just doing like a stretch and then I just started sobbing and I like, where did this come from? So well, you know, it's, inter it's an interesting time we're in right now, of course, COVID-19. And um, I, for many months now, I've been reflecting on COVID-19, and as we all have. And I often refer to COVID-19 as what I call the triple threat. And what I mean by that is, is that, yes, we have a public health crisis with this virus. But mm -hmm. in addition to that, there's two other threats. First, we have an economic and employment problem going on right now. People are really struggling. And then thirdly, we got a mental health crisis going on. And along with these three different enemies, the virus, the economic uncertainty, and the uh, mental health crisis, there's something else that's happening. And it's, it's uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. We don't even know, you know what's gonna happen to the economy, we don't know what's going to happen in the election next week. Right. We don't even know if there's going to be Halloween next this weekend. I mean, people don't know what's <laughs> going on. You know what I mean? There's so much uncertainty. I mean, do we not even agree uh, on one thing? Are we having Halloween or not? People don't even know if it's even happening. Um, so, um, so there's so much uncertainty. It's obviously a very superficial example, but it's a powerful statement. We don't even know if Halloween's happening. Um, so. Mm -hmm. Um, if we can't if we can't even agree on Halloween, how are we going to agree on deeper, you know, <laughs> exactly. or, or even know about much greater issues? Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, absolutely. People don't even. And there's so much uncertainty. And look, if life was perfect right now, we had no COVID, we had no economic problems, and all we had was uncertainty in our lives. That's bad. Uncertainty is bad. 
Right. And right. so uncertainty is like adding a little gasoline to the fire of COVID-19, this economic crisis, uh, crisis, and this mental health crisis. It's, it's adding gasoline to that fire. And um, just like a California wildfire, it's just like the wind blowing up that fire. And, um, and, and I think this is a terrible piece to it. It doesn't help that we got so much political uncertainty going on as well. And of course, we'll see what happens next week uh, pretty soon in terms of the election. But anyways, but I think that it's a terrible time for people. And, um, and some people in our society are definitely uh, doing worse than others. There's no doubt about it. What can be done as a society or individuals to help? Yeah, I can, yeah, look, that, that's, that I think is the million dollar question. And here's my take on it. Listen and redirect. Listen and redirect. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have family members or friends who are suffering, yeah, absolutely listen. Be supportive to people, loved ones, and, and people you care about, of course. If, in fact, though, that their distress is getting so severe and they are really not doing well, can't really function too well, and even thinking about suicide, I'd redirect. Re redirect them to a local medical facility, a hospital, a clinic. Get them some medical attention because these things can be treated and uh, treat it with good treatments, talk therapy, counseling. Um, some, sometimes people need medication if they have depression or something like that. But, but we have to redirect. We, and, and the medical establishment is certainly able to help people. But your point's really so important because what can we do? Well, I think we, there's lots of things we can do. COVID-19 is a total disaster. Let's just call it what it is. It's a total disaster. Uh, but it doesn't mean we have to end up, you know, uh, in a bad, dark place. There's things that we can do to protect ourselves. And a lot of it is, well, first of all, it's very cost-effective and it's pretty simple and it works. So things like structuring your day, like when we, before COVID, you know, our days were structured because kids go to school and people go to work and drive and sit in the traffic and they get their coffee and so on and so on. Now people are working from home and their life's so unstructured, you gotta have structure. There's something about having structure that just settles the brain, settles the mind, okay? Then you got to get your sleep. This, and this is basic. Sec thirdly, portion control. Now, when I talked about portion control, I used to just mean don't eat too much food, don't drink too much alcohol, <laughs> right? Now, I'm also saying don't consume too much social media. Why? Because we all know the problem of air pollution. We know the problem of noise pollution. We got social media pollution. And social media pollution is when you have toxic, uh, poisonous stuff on social media that people are consuming at a very high amount, like three, four, five, six hours a day. We did a study showing that people spending lots of time on social media are more stressed out, more anxious, can't sleep, uh, really down on themselves. That doesn't mean social media is a bad thing any more than fast food. Yeah, have a burger once in a while, okay, but don't have burgers all the time, okay? And so now with respect to um, exercise, it's a great way to protect yourself and reach out to friends and connect as you can, if you, if you can, you know, through different platforms and so on. And then what can the government do? Well, look, I hope the stimulus gets through Congress and the House, et cetera. People need to get some funding from the government uh, to help them out, protect the small business, uh, bridge them over, you know, for their mortgage, their rent, stuff like that. Um, Government can't take care of us forever. No, I, I, I wouldn't want that. But I think that there needs to be a bit of a, a bridging, so to speak. And I think there needs to be consideration about that. And, and also helping people around, you know, maybe some funding could go to providing psychiatric services for people who need them right away. 
And that's been shown, um, like in the history books, going back like over 10 years ago or so, when we had the Great Recession. It was shown that when government did those types of things, provided psychiatric first aid for people and provided some income support for a period of time and you know small business support, that helped a lot in terms of reducing suicide. So that's a playbook that's been sort of done before. We can just take some lessons from that playbook. And then secondly, I think there's lots that we can do to you know, improve our resiliency, you know, and our, you know, make, make us be able to roll with the punches more during this, this, this assault called COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned exercise. I've, I've put on about 35 pounds during this thing. You and, and many uh, others, you and many others. Science around this actually has been really interesting. Um, the more that we are inactive, the more we sit on the couch. Okay. Hmm. And just literally sit on the couch. What happens is your brain, just imagine your brain is like a motherboard on your PC, right? And it truly is. It's like a motherboard, okay, on the mm -hmm. PC, on the computer. And what happens is, is when we're sitting on the couch doing nothing, we're just sitting there, the brain circuits begin to uh, activate a little differently. In other words, those brain circuits that start to active when we're doing nothing, those brain circuits that are responsible for us just thinking about ourselves and sort of like not liking where we're at, we get kind of like down on ourselves. Um, and uh, a lot of times like when people wake up first thing in the morning, they notice that their, their mind's thinking about things, often not very nice things about themselves. And then they, then they start craving food and eating too much. And then when you do something, whether like go for a jog, do some push-ups, sit-ups, lift some weights, or let's say you read a book or talk to some friends, that whole other circuit activates, which is a healthy circuit, which turns off the bad circuit. So the bad circuit in your brain is activated when you're doing nothing. And when you do something, I don't just mean physically, but do something like mentally, it actually turns off the bad circuit. And therefore, people will often say that when they work out or something, they, they, they don't want to eat junk food. If I had to discuss right. the idea of eating like a burger after you're you know, working right. out hard in the gym. Um, yeah. And people often say, how come I don't crave that crap when I'm actually working out hard? Well, because your brain's turning all that off. That's why I tell people, stay active, not just because I'm like trying to become a, a fitness guru. <laughs> because right. it, turns, right. it turns off that bad circuit. And that bad circuit that makes you not like yourself and feel bad about yourself and people just say, oh, you know, I don't feel good about myself. The heck with it. I'm just going to eat everything. As you said, scorched earth. I'm just going to eat like a ton of cookies and so on. Um, and what you can do is distract yourself by becoming active and it turns off the bad circuit. Wow. And this is a uh, actual physical thing that happens. In Absolutely. Absolutely. We see it in the MRI scan in the brain. And wow. it, it's really kind of interesting because it, it, it's kind of interesting because I used to always think as a scientist that if we're just doing nothing, that our brain is just chill. Actually, it's not the case. When it's a bit like, okay, let's say you're using. I, I, I thought your analogy with the motherboard was just going to go towards it's idle. So, like a computer, you know, the circuit spike. Yeah. And I thought you were going to say it's idle, but you went a completely different area with that, which yeah, I, I find I, really surprising. Like, I had yeah. no. Absolutely, because what's interesting is that I thought the same thing too. If we're just chilling on the couch, right? I thought that the brain was idle, but actually it's the other way around. This is kind of a little bit the opposite of what you would expect. Uh, when you're just sitting on the couch doing nothing, 
it's almost as though that the idle of your car turned way up. So it's revved right up. And that's what's happening. It's kind of the opposite of what you would experience. And when you start doing something, reading a book, maybe talking to some friends, go for a run, lift some weights, it turns the idle down. And it's, it's also kind of the opposite way, or it's the opposite way around. And, um, and, and so that's why people have those negative thoughts when they're just kind of like, they don't like themselves, get pretty anxious, put down themselves, when they're just kind of like in a zone, in that zone, right? And then when you start doing something, it turns it off. And, and we've got all kinds of medical language for these circuits and so on, but it's actually what we see in the MRI scanner looking at people's brain. That is fascinating. Being depressed or being in that bad state completely changes your your outlook on everything to the point where you don't even believe you could have said something. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. No, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just human nature. And, and I think that, you know, going back to what we said earlier, I think that um, during COVID-19, the fact that people's lives have been turned upside down and they're not involved in their usual day-to-day -day activities, they default to this kind of, you know, hanging around, and that hanging around, lying on the couch, you know, watching Netflix or whatever they're doing, that leads to a change in how the brain circuit, the motherboard's working. And it's changing our entire way that we're thinking about the world. And so it's really important to keep active mentally and physically, but also it's important to be aware of pollution, not just air pollution and noise pollution, but also social media pollution. And, um, and I think that that can also make life worse for a lot of people. Yeah. The social media is definitely, uh, I've, I've gotten better at not responding. You know, I used to get pulled into a lot of, uh, a lot of arguments and particularly political stuff, just people disagreeing. And, and it's, it's almost like, uh, I'd see one pro Trump post, then the same article with a negative spin to it. So it was yeah. like the same exact article with two different completely viewpoints. And I feel like my head is being like, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Now in your, in the email that I received from your colleague, they mentioned how winter's coming. Um, <laughs> that's, that sounds like Game of Thrones winter's coming and, yeah. and how you believe that this will make things worse. It, it's a great question. And, you know, for people in the Southern hemisphere, you know, the Southern climates where it's warm and, you know, in, in, you know, in, in South Beach, Miami, it's a bit of a different mm -hmm. situation than in the, you know, the North, Michigan, Chicago, and so on, you know, out to Minnesota, Northern climates, New England, keep going. Um, northern climates are, um, because the days are shorter, of course, it's colder, darker. Um, the um, reality is, is there is a higher risk for having so-called seasonal depression, um, which typically is, you know, the same thing as getting more depressed in the fall and the winter. That's certainly been well described and, and that's happening about now. Um, and I think a, we need to recognize that, but you, you're right. You, you kind of um, uh, preempted because in the sense that the way we manage this, the principles are still the same in terms of structuring your day, getting your sleep, portion control, avoid pollution. Um, and, 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 and I think that what's different, obviously, if there's snow outside and it's dark and icy and so on, 
yes, the gyms are closed. It's hard to get there. It just means one has to be increasingly creative around the house, you know, uh, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, you know, uh, things of that nature. But you've got to remain active. And I think we also need to press this point strongly that I'm not trying to make the case that from a physical activity perspective, people train to be Olympians. I'm not saying that. You don't need to go to the Olympics. You don't need to be that. Just getting your, you know, your, some activity going because, A, it's good for your heart, good for your soul. But also that goes back to what we talked about. When you're active, even modestly active, like just doing some, you know, stretches and so on and so on, it allows your that part, that circuit of your brain that in the motherboard that's kind of making you feel bad about yourself, it turns that one off. Mm-hmm. And it it kind of turns on other parts of your brain, other circuits that don't so much make you feel good. They can, but they are helping you do your other tasks. And and it, it's it, it's almost like a you know, that, that part of your brain circuit that's active when you're just sitting around, it's like having a radio on, it's just like a bad song. And when you do things, it turns that radio right down. And I think that itself is a good enough reason to do some activities. Um, And so everything's the same, but I think you're right. And, and it goes back to what we talked about very early in our conversation about support and redirect, listen to friends and so on, but redirect them to medical help if they need it. I mean, there's help out there and we're concerned that people are hesitant going to the clinician, going to the care provider because they fear they might get COVID while they're there. That's not likely going to happen. These centers are taking precautions and so on. And medical centers across America are saying we're seeing a down, uh, a downturn in people coming to our clinics that people are, you know, uh, for a bunch of reasons. Um, and so I think people need to be aware of that. You have a site called Altmet, right? That you're, yeah. you're, you run. Um, yeah. is, is there, what, what, what approach is there with that? And is there anything that does food factor into this? Are there supplements that we can take, um, things that we can do, you know, aside from the physical to, yeah to kind of improve? You know, this is an area where the medical and the scientific community is really actively researching. Is there, and there's different ways to think about diet. Let's just walk through this. So one way to think about diet is to add something to your diet. In other words, add more uh, omega-3 or to add more multivitamins or, or as you said, add something like CBD. That's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it is to take things away from your diet. So in other words, take away the carbs, right? And just sort of focus on more protein and fat. So, and, you know, kind of more of these kind of um, you know, ketogenic type diets. And another way to take away your diet is the abstinence diets, you know, where you're sort of, you know, you're only eating once a day or once every two days mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. And there's different versions of this. Um, and then a the third way to think about this is sort of a combination where you're either uh, adding or taking away and you're intermittently fasting and things like that. So there's different ways you can manipulate diet. What I would say is, is that for now, the best advice, I think I think the best advice based on the best available science would be to eat a balanced, healthy diet for now. We don't have good science that's just knock your socks off science that says, oh, use this vitamin or that vitamin or this, or use that or take that away or don't do this. Those are, there's some really interesting stuff going on right now. But Mm -hmm. for now, what we say to people is to the extent possible, eat a balanced diet. Now, 
that assumes you can pay for it. And everyone knows when you go to the grocery store to eat, you know, to get fruits and vegetables and so on, it's a lot more expensive uh, yep. than buying, you know, let's say some tacos and some burgers. Okay? <laughs> yep. and, it, and we all know that. Yep. Um, and pizzas are much cheaper. So I, I'm aware of that, but just put that aside for a moment. There, there is some interesting ideas, especially during COVID, about vitamin D. Um, and people have maybe been hearing that maybe vitamin D could protect you a little bit. Um, other types of things like uh, some of the antioxidants that are out there, stuff like that. Um, I would say that that is interesting. I don't think at this point, at least from my perspective, we can make a strong statement. Let's all do that. But there's some, there's some interesting leads there. I think the way to really um, up our game, to increase our game when it comes to diet, is to just try to reduce some of the garbage that we eat a lot of, like the sugars, like a, you don't necessarily need to have a keto diet, but we consume way too much, uh, you know, soda, keep it within moderation, you know, um, you know carbs, keep it within moderation, um, processed food, keep it within moderation. And, and I think if we can just do that, that I think would be upping our game compared to what it is right now. And then I think we'll find out in the next three to five years, whether these, you know, intermittent fastings, ketogenics, uh, all these augmentations, like with, you know, omegas and NAC and acetylcysteine, all these things people are looking at. It's all pretty cool. Um, but for now, I think people should just try and go for a balanced, healthy diet. Actually fast. <laughs> I, I, I do an eight hour fasting window. I was doing more for the, um, I was doing that more for the, the weight benefits of it, but doesn't really work when you're fasting with Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's right. That's exactly right. It frees up time. You know, you, you kind of free up time to do what you have to do. And, and uh, cause you don't have to work. Cause I, I used to eat every three hours. So I was one of those people that ate every three hours uh, throughout the day, again, for, for bodybuilding benefits and stuff. Right. And um, I, I, I felt like I was always eating. So I'm trying, I'm working, I'm doing what I have to do, but I'm always in the process of eating because I'm eating every three hours. So my day always had to revolve around, I need to be ready for that meal. Right. Otherwise, you know, I'll get a headache or I'll get, I'll start to shake and, you know, changing it to this uh, one to, to nine time frame has freed up a lot of my time oh, in terms of, of cool. just, you know, um, but yeah. I don't know, I don't know if it's, oh, they're, they're supposed to have anti-aging benefits. I, I don't, I don't know that I've really experienced any of those, um, but uh, I'm, I feel okay overall. So, well, I, you know. yeah, I mean, this is an interesting part because, you know, um, um, there is some really cool science behind the intermittent fasting diets, improving your cholesterol, your sugar, your inflammation. It's pretty cool. And to your point, there is some suggestions that could reduce the aging process, uh, at least in animals. Um, one of the interesting facts about this conversation is that, and I often put this up as a pop quiz. So the pop quiz is, what's the most proven way to slow the aging process, at least in animals. I think we're still not sure yet with humans, but within lower animals, like you know mice and rats, it turns out to food, food restriction, intermittent fasting. And um, there's something about, because when we eat, what happens is it causes some inflammation. 
And inflammation leads to what we call inflammaging. <laughs> so inflammation leads to inflammaging. And um, by uh, changing, you know, trying to avoid the sugars, which can be quite inflammatory, and trying to be more intermittent when you eat, it decreases the inflammation, which may also decrease the inflammaging. So that's kind of the thinking around it. Sometimes I feel kind of like, like I struggle with, like I'm complaining about weight during COVID when people are losing their lives, right. people are losing their homes. So, you know, that also pushes me further into that than eat the Hagen dazs it's, it's very weird, you know? Um, and I'm sure this is all, stuff that you would be able to say, oh yeah, you're doing this because of this, you know, with the, with the medical training, it's all, you know, you're, you're feeling guilty because you're whining about weight when, when people are losing their lives. And because now you're feeling guilt, now you're also feeling crap because you got fatter, then you eat more. <laughs> you know, it sounds, it sounds like um, based on this, this stuff you mentioned that I had no completely new to me. Um, I'm going to, really force myself to stay active no matter how I feel or what's happening in the world. You know, if they close the gyms again, then I have some weights here. I'm going to force myself to use them, even if it's only half an hour, you know, um, if it's a shorter workout, because I'm, I, in my mind, if it's not a hundred percent, like all the way, it's hard for me to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for everyone listening, you know, it's important for them to know that activity is not only, you know, doing push-ups, sit-ups, lifting weights, stuff like that. Also, you know, exercise your mind, uh, you know, read, uh, find some enjoyable, you know, material to read. And uh, yeah, this. also, you know, art. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do some reading. Um, Does the video games count? <laughs> you know, what do you great. think? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, I, I, think, I think we need to be open to the possibility that maybe uh, in some circumstances, you, you know, video games or computer-based type uh, entertainment may in some cases be therapeutic. For example, there's been a recent FDA approval of a, a computer game to treat ADHD. So there's an example where it can mm -hmm. be your friend, but these things can be your friend or your enemy, your frenemy, I guess, in mm -hmm. the sense that too much time playing these types of games and so on, um, first of all, it means by definition, you're sitting on the couch. Uh, so you right, want to get right. up and moving around. Uh, we think some of the obesity in children is because of the sitting around playing games all day. But secondly, is that um, I think like a lot of things, you know, you want to make sure that you're not just doing just one thing. I would never recommend people do, not that you can, but do push-ups all day long. Uh, but uh, you want to, you know, you want to change it up, right? So um, but, uh, uh, but I think that it's, it's really, really important to stay active, not just physically, but sort of mentally, you want to stay active. I, I've been playing an online game, um, and it's, it's cool because there's people there, so yeah. it creates engagement, which is nice. Those guys are crazy, so like some of these people, some of them are toxic, you know, they're saying toxic yeah. things and stuff, but to me, it's funnier to listening right. to them. I'm listening to them fight, and I'm, I'm joking around with them and it's 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 creating a, a bit of socializing while you shoot each other up in this video game you know that's why i mentioned that like if it you know because it does you know like i've had conversations even while we're you know we're playing and we're shooting each other but we have conversations and stuff so it creates a bit of a community in a way 
you, so, you know, so I wondered, I wondered if that, you know, but I, I, I think it's become when I'd be working out now I'm playing the game and there lies the problem. Well, you know, what's interesting is that the science shows that one plus one does not equal two. one plus one equals three. And what do I mean by that is, is that if you keep physically active and you keep your mind active, oh. uh, those, those two things equals three. In synergy. Words, it, it has a <laughs> synergy effect on your brain. Mm. That's been shown through some of the science. Well, I am teaching again. So it, it's forced me to, that's why, as a matter of fact, that's why I started to teach accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way to incentivize, or as you said, to hold yourself accountable. But let's face it. Not everyone, I mean, I, I, I exercise most days of the week, but I have to confess, I don't wake up every morning. I work out in the morning. I don't wake up every morning like rah, 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 rah. I want to go, you know, get, you know, pound my body and get sweaty and so on. Um, there's days we're not as motivated. And, and so it's good to have that kind of uh, um, accountability to something or some person it's a great safety valve, especially those days which are going to happen where you don't quite got the same kind of gas in the tank to want to get out there and do it, you know? Is there anything that you have that you would like to share um, in terms of how people can contact you or how they can uh, um, research more? Yeah, I think, look, I'll leave people with a website they can go to. It's www.dbsaalliance, the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. DBSA Alliance, DBS Alliance, uh, Depression Bipolar Support Alliance.org. That actually is a website. Um, it's an organization that's peer support, great website, lots of resources across the country, most of it, lots of online things people can access to give people sort of tactics and strategies how to, in fact, um, you know, be able to uh, cope with the situation today, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and anyways, I think people should consider going there. And uh, from that, people, in fact, can, um, you know, just uh, uh, look for resources. And I think, you know, be aware of that. And, and, and I think finally, just be aware of what we talked about earlier, listen and redirect. And, um, and uh, don't hesitate to get care when needed. Thank you. I thank you so much for coming on the show and, and, and talking and sharing. It's a nice conversation. I've enjoyed it. I have as well. It's been a good conversation uh, and uh, all the best, not just to you, but all your listeners. And uh, we'll look forward to brighter 2021. Yeah. Okay. God willing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Take okay. care. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast, www.nyctalking.com. Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.